Episode 93, Lisa Winnicky, creator of The Good News Guide. The, my greatest mistake was that I sought guidance, information, the questions that I was asking, I, I sought it from people outside of me. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For links, show notes, and more, go to www.markgraben.com slash mistake93. Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Graben. Really happy to be joined today by Lisa Winnicky. And before I introduce Lisa, let me first off say thank you. And um, how are you today? I'm great. And thank you for having me on your show. I love I love being in conversation about all things that we're going to be in conversation about today. So, yeah, thank you. And where are you joining us from? Listeners, I'm sure, are wondering. (laughs) From Melbourne, Australia. So I'm in your future, Mark. Happy Tuesday morning to you, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So Lisa Winnicky is an expert in self-empowerment. She knows all about leadership and growth and love, and she helps people become uh, the most trusted person in uh, their clients or their companies or their families' lives. Uh, her website is lisawinnicky.com. I'll make sure that there is a link to that in the show notes. And she is also founder and host of something called The Good News Guide. So we'll learn more about that today. It is a podcast and a YouTube channel. So uh, maybe first off, before we get into to mistakes, um, the name, the good news guide, that's something mm-hmm. we could all use more of, good news, right? Mm-hmm. So do you want me just to do a quick backstory as to how that came about? So it, it was, it was it, the seed was actually planted about eight or nine years ago when I stopped watching mainstream news. <clears throat> I made a deliberate decision that because I was working through healing my own sense of self, I became very, very open to energy and I found that the news was not something that actually expanded and inspired and empowered me. It did the reverse. It made me feel more afraid of life. So I made a very deliberate decision. I had three boys at the time. A lot of people questioned my choice to do so. But along the way, I started to create much more mindful, deliberate ways of where I put my attention and energy. And so start of last year, before before we even really knew about COVID, I went and did an intuitive one-week training and something that dropped in during this training was the seed that I'd planted eight or nine years ago when I thought, why can't somebody... Why can't somebody create news that leaves us more expanded, that provides information that opens our minds to things that we may not be aware of? Say for me, growing up, I wasn't aware of all the things that I now teach and what I do in the world and actually had us connected more deeply to our hearts in order to lead from that place. So it dropped in whilst I was doing this sort of journaling and it was it was a show and it was came about that it was the good news more so good news that was new and noteworthy information to the masses as opposed to 
a good news story the way that we might think. So, yes, I sprinkle the show with those sorts of stories, but in all of it it's more about the transformation that can occur through the teachers that I bring on and the coaches and experts, which essentially are all good news stories because really what it all comes back to, the good news is, is that it's all inside of us. That everything we seek, every bit, of, every question that we ask, it resides inside of us. So that's, uh, I think that's a really interesting, uh, that's an, that's a powerful um, statement. I think we'll, we'll come back to that later on in the podcast and, and talk a little bit more about the good news guide. So I've deviated a little bit from the roadmap that I usually take in the episodes here. Normally we jump right in and ask the question. So Lisa, we've gotten to know a little bit about you here, but looking back, what's your story? What is, what's your favorite mistake? (laughs) So it ties actually not even realizing it ties perfectly back into what I was just sharing about everything resides within us. So my greatest mistake is not one mistake. It's not a specific uh, mistake the way I've listened to some of your um, the other people that you've had on your show. The, my greatest mistake was that I sought guidance, information, the questions that I was asking, I, I sought it from people outside of me, that I had no connection to my intuition, no connection to my higher self, no connection to the wisdom that resided in me. And because I was so afraid of making a mistake, I continuously sought guidance, coaching, all of it from people outside of me to the point that I made mistake after mistake because I went go, I went down different paths that actually weren't in alignment with who I was. They were in alignment with the perceptions of those people around me of what they thought based on their life experiences, based on their belief systems. So it meant that for many, many, many years I did things, I, I did uni degrees that weren't in alignment with me. I I started businesses that weren't in alignment with who I really was. I was doing things according to what other people saw in me. And I mean, looking back, when did you really, I guess, discover that pattern of mistakes, Mm -hmm. that pattern of looking to others for, for guidance or ideas or doing things that others might approve of? Mm. So, Mark, it's, it, I can't say it was any one time, but I've been on this trajectory for the last 14, 15 years coming back to self because I was so disconnected. Just a bit of a backstory: I'd suffered from depression and anxiety and an eating disorder for two decades. I didn't even know who I was. So it took a time of coming back to knowing who I was in order to then build up a more trusting relationship, which is ongoing, Mark. It's not like it just... It shows up, but developing a deeper relationship with self, an understanding of who I was, what made me tick, what lit me up, what had me, you know, getting up in the morning and feeling full of life. It was a process of coming back to me in order to then trust me in making the decisions rather than, again, asking somebody outside of me. And sometimes it was people that I didn't even trust, but I gave them my power. So more so I would say in the past three to four years, maybe even three years, to be honest, have I really, am I really anchoring into knowing and trusting my intuition, knowing that I need the space, the quiet space 
to stop the mental chatter, which would have me then seeking guidance for somebody outside and to come inside and to give myself the space to ask those questions. Has that changed the way that you work with others as a coach? Did you find others maybe looked to you? They looked to Lisa for outside perspective. Have, Have you... I know you've been working on figuring out, knowing yourself, are you helping others find themselves in a, a similar way? I think the the greatest thing that I believe, you know, I think of it as a mother as well, is to be an example of what that looks like to lead from the inside out. And so I know in the way that I show up, in the way that I communicate, because that's one of my gifts is communication, is the way I show up and communicate is demonst- it demonstrates that I live from that place, that I'm not, I understand now that there's nothing to fix, that actually everything is inside me and all the information, all the wisdom, anything that I've ever wanted, it's a matter of noticing when I'm looking outside to turn the mirror back in and to go inside and to ask those questions, as I said. So, you know, I am a, I'm also one of the things I'm really conscious of is I am a, I'm a nurturer, you know, and so it's easy to fall into the trap of of being connected to nurturing another because we feel that 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 makes us lovable. Understanding that, that each person is on their own journey and the greatest thing I can do is show up as me and remind them that their power resides inside of them that they have everything that they need, that they are perfect and whole and complete as they are. And that, yes, I'm willing to guide them, but really what I'm doing is guiding them back to self. And this idea of, um, you know, what we're looking for, whether that's personally or professionally, the same idea as you've articulated, it resides within us. That applies sort of equally across different aspects of life. Everything. And, you know, it's it's so interesting, Mark, because, you know, I, I feel like I'm deepening again this relationship with self. I'm being called to go in and give myself everything I need rather than receive it from the external world, whether it's validation, that's something that I've been addicted to, needing to be validated. So understanding that I need to validate me more, that I need to celebrate me more. And in doing that, yes, it's an added bonus if somebody does that or responds or engages in what I'm offering, but ultimately I'm being called to deepen that relationship with self because when we, again, when we're looking outside of us, it's because we feel we're coming from a place of lack, that we don't think that we have everything inside of us. So um, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I think, And uh, I'd like to go back a little bit um, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, thinking that, you know, you, you had been afraid of making mistakes. And I, I think that's maybe an interesting thing to ask you to, to elaborate on. Um, one of my guests from the podcast here, um, his name is Mark Pett, and he was the author and illustrator of a children's book called The Girl Who Never Made Mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this little girl, um, you know, was in elementary school. Uh, is afraid of making mistakes. And and she has a lot of anxiety about that. And as the story moves along, she makes a big kind of silly, embarrassing mistake at a talent show in front of her school. But she comes through that realizing, you know what? Everyone still loves me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
like she made a mistake and um, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, so you know, I encourage people to check out that episode because I think it's just, I think it's powerful to explore. I mean, what's your perspective, Lisa, on thinking about being afraid of making mistakes? Well, there's a couple of things that just came through. But firstly, what's my take on? Well, what I now know, even just talking through this word of mistakes, is that there was actually, if we look back, and I and I trust actually that I am exactly where I am and I need to be, there was never actually a mistake. That was my perception of seeing it as a mistake. Because had I not have made those mistakes, mistakes, I would not be the person that I am now. You know, some of the things, like if I go way, way, way back, the reason I was so afraid of making mistakes, again, in inverted commas, was because I had a very tumultuous upbringing. When I was young, I was asked to leave two private, two of the best private girls' schools in Melbourne at the age of 15 and 16. So I was so afraid of failure because that was the thing I grew up being told that I was a loser and I was a failure. So that was so imprinted in my being that I then did everything that I could to try to avoid making another mistake. But now sitting here, Mark, I do not regret for a moment because they shaped me into being the person that I am. I have deep compassion for people that are rejected potentially by society, which is what happened for me, deep passion. I have a value of forgiveness as a result of being wronged and, again, being rejected. I have such a deep value of forgiveness that people can have a second, tenth, twentieth, thirtieth chance if they're willing to, yeah, to come back and own whatever it is and to take responsibility for whatever part they played in the mistake or the failure. So I may not have answered your, I think I have answered your question. So that's my take is that really, really get it on a visceral level that everything is always working for us. Even if we see it as a mistake at the time, there is a gift. If we can get the wisdom from these perceived mistakes, if we can take the wisdom and integrate it into who we are, that then becomes we become it becomes part of who we are as long as there's not the emotional ties to the mistake and that's that's i think the thing that i've now spending more and more time in the past 4 or 5 years is breaking the chains to the emotional addiction of these perceived mistakes so what i hear you saying and and, and correct me if um if you're let me know if you disagree but what i hear you saying is um, we, there's a time to let go of mistakes and not agonize over them or keep thinking about them in a way that that say perhaps haunts us, but to to reflect and to learn and to realize that choosing the wrong university major in some way shapes who you are today. Mm. Mm. Because as our adult self, I me sitting here as a 49-year-old woman, I can go back and I can see what was going on with deep compassion for the 15-year-old girl that was making the unconscious choice to be rebellious, which would then lead to her being asked to leave school. Now, I can see that and I can have deep compassion. Now, deep compassion for her then allows me to sit here as a deeply compassionate woman for my family, for my partner, for the people that I work with, because it springs from self. The importance of going back to these pivotal times that 
we perceive as mistakes or failures, the power is in going back into them, not to dredge up the pain of them, but to get the wisdom and the gifts from them. And that's what we're trying to do here uh, on this podcast series. And sometimes people misspeak and they'll say, my biggest mistake. I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's different. A favorite mistake is something that's not, you know, especially with the passage of time, it's not so traumatic to think about and talk about and bring up and, mm-hmm. and appreciate that put us in a place where, where we are now. Mm. And mm. to be thankful for that, I guess. Mm. I mean, just something that just dropped in there when you were, when you were just saying that is that, you know, I, I made a choice two years ago to leave a 20-year marriage with three kids and the fear that came up because of the past conditioning of being fearful of making a mistake and then regretting it and then it being too late to turn back and resolve it. Um, but it was it's so incredible when the, the more you can make choices from the inside out from your inner wisdom and back yourself, the more you know that it's basically the more connected you are with yourself you make the choices from that place and they're always working for you, whether you can see it at the time or not. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, looking inside for the answer, um, I've had some other guests talk about intuition. You -hmm. mentioned that word earlier. Could could you um, maybe share a little bit more about getting in touch with your intuition and Mm -hmm. and, and not being afraid to listen to that, that quote unquote gut feeling that says, mm. I should do this or I should not do this, and we second-guess ourselves, mm. how, how do you get more in touch with intuition? Practice. Simple. Simply, that's the, uh, it's, it's cultivating because we're born intuitive beings. We're not born with our thoughts and our feelings. We're born, we're, we're born into this world highly connected to our intuition. And intuition isn't just for me and not for you. It is available to all of us but it's coming back to self first and then practising, cultivating uh, our intuitive muscle. And so when I did this intuitive training a few years ago, what I really got is that when we're in our thoughts and our feelings, in our senses, we're very narrowed in our vision. How do we get beyond our thoughts and senses? How do we do that? Well, we need to get back into a the way that I do it is to come back into like a childlike state, being in awe of and wonder and stepping into a greater space because kids are so connected where I'm beyond my thoughts and feelings and then I might ask, pose myself a question and then check in. But if I'm not in a state of childlike wonder, then I'm in my adult self looking through my past lens my past beliefs, which are my current beliefs, my thoughts, my feelings, which are all have us anchored to the past. So we have to get beyond our thoughts and feelings to actually be able to listen. And for me, listening is, you know, I don't see visions. I mean, I sometimes do, but mine is very in my body. Like I am now know that I get my answers. Some people take time to get their answers. They ask a question and it will come through. For me, it's instant. I ask a yes, no question. And because of the way I'm designed, I don't know if you've done any work in human design, but my human design is that I have a, you know, I have an instant uh, a yes, no, and my body responds to that. So now I'm cultivating 
a deeper trust. And in fact, I, I would say more often than not, I do trust that. Yeah. Because I practiced on small things. You know, it wasn't like the major decisions, it was the small, you know, it might be, um, you know, and it is a, it's a yes and no question. It's, um, do I want to have tacos for dinner? Say, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just pulled that because that's something somebody said. <laughs> and, and straight away, it's like, mm-mm, I know it's a no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a really interesting topic, Mark, because I have built the Good News Guide using intuition. No, I was just asking you to tell us more about that. And I made the mistake of cutting you off inadvertently. No, 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 no. So what I discovered in this intuitive training is that when we have a vision for our future, normally we're operating from the orientation of I am here and my vision is in the future. When we're operating from here, looking at the future of a vision, we're still coming through. We're still coming up with our how, how to get there, which is based on our past and our current thoughts and feelings. There's no intuition at play because we're looking towards it, working out how we're going to get there. When we step into the vision, so for me it was um, creating a show that would help raise the frequency of the planet, the consciousness of the planet. Now, from where I am sitting to the fact I had no show, you know, no podcast, no nothing, it's a big leap. And a lot of people, that stops them from taking the steps because it just feels too far away. With your intuitive process, you step into the vision, which I do every single day, and feel what it's going to feel like when I have that show. What are the types of people I'm going to be in contact with, that I'm going to be in conversation with? How are people going to be transformed and affected and influenced and inspired by the conversations? How are they going to feel as a result of tuning in to the conversations? And then I look back at the current reality, basically where I am now, and intuitively ask what's the next step that led me from where I was one step closer to my vision? beyond my thoughts and feelings. And the thing with it, the intuitive process, is often it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. For example, doubt's been something that shows up a lot for me. So it might be that I'm standing in the vision and I look back and I see that the most thing that's just raising its head is there is so much doubt that is there. So the next step might be to become super aware and conscious when I am in doubt Know that it's something that my body has been addicted to for a long time. I don't need to try and work it out. Then refocus my attention and my energy on the vision of what I'm creating. It might be that. That might be the next step. Something to break the pattern, the cycle of that. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because um, what you're saying there really reminds me some connections back to my professional world, which, which draws a, a lot of times on lessons from the Toyota Motor, Motor Corporation. And um, they, there's a, a thought process when it comes to problem solving that's often referred to as Toyota Kata, K-A-T-A, which is a Japanese word that basically means um, routine or pattern. And the problem thought solving process that's taught there is similar to what you were saying. We, we don't need to have the big answer right now, but we can define, they'll use the word challenge. Where, where are we trying to reach? 
then kind of frame what's the next small experiment, the next small step that we could take. And the, the way you're explaining it, we could kind of, I, I, I could see the connection to trying to look backward of, well, what, what experiment, what thing would we have to try next? We don't know the answers, but we can figure it out in this sort of iterative experimental sort mm -hmm. of way. So I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. that I hear you articulating. I don't feel like I'm articulating it well, but I hear you yeah, saying yeah. something that's familiar to me coming from a different place. I think the key thing is what you talked about. It's where you're standing. Are you standing in the vision of let's, let's say what you're sharing is there is a challenge that comes up. If you're standing in the vision, the end result of this challenge being resolved, and then you look back at the current reality of the challenge, that's where you can, that's when, where intuition gives rise to that next step, that next experiment. And it is, it's a micro step. It's taking you one step closer to resolving the challenge, or for me, one step closer to creating, to be, not to, not to creating, but to living the vision of what I have in my mind and my heart. And, and I think that I was just thinking back to, again, this Toyota Kata process where someone's got to decide what's that next thing. It could be intuition, Like we're going to try this next. Why? I don't know. It feels like the right thing to do. Mm. That could happen. Totally. It can be anything. It can be, I need to go for a walk in nature because I'm ungrounded and I'm in my head and I actually need to get back into my body to feel what's the next step or to care for my mind and body. I need to do something. I need to go and have a drink. I need to I need to rehydrate my body. Because it's an intuitive process, it often doesn't make sense, often. But sometimes we just need to recognise that's okay. Well, because, you know, I, I, I can't remember the exact amount, but we have access to something like it's, was it 20 million bits of information per second. It's something extraordinary. Please don't quote me. I know it was just so beyond my imagination. I thought, oh, my goodness. And the thing is, as we know, 85 or 90% of what we think each day is repetitive. It's the same and often negative. We have no access to our intuition when we're in that state of mind. So for us to access these billions of bits of information that are available to us, they're not out there. It's information that we can pull in. We have to get beyond the way our minds are programmed to think and see the world. And, and so part of what I've been hearing you say, Lisa, is or it sounds like when we're being bombarded by too much external stimulation, data, information, noise, news. Um, it's interesting. The word news is very similar to the word noise. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if the root words are the same. But what I hear you saying is that when, when there's too much of that, it's hard to then listen to what's inside. If the answer, the next step, the intuition is inside us. So that's to your point of turning off news, which I thought was a very interesting point. So you're in Australia. I'm in the United States. I've really made efforts. And there are times when I'm more disciplined about it than others of turning off any. We have three major cable news channels. And most of it is based on different people yelling and arguing with each other. I'm like, well, that's not really news. So I feel better when I turn that off and I find my news from calmer sources. And then you get to choose what you tune into. And, you know, if you want to have it, like I say, you know, I, I got a lot of flack 
when I first stopped watching and saying, you're going to raise three boys and they're not going to be well read and they're not going to know what's going on in the world. And I said, well, it's never added to my life. And if there's things that I need to know, i.e. if we go into lockdown, rest assured, somebody will tell me. And of course, somebody tells me, I know that where I'm at now, the greatest thing I can do for this planet is to mind my energy mind what I give my attention to, because I'm going to be able to contribute in ways that I was never able to contribute to whilst I'm minding myself. My contribution, my energy, the way I show up for people all throughout my day is greater and greater the more I mind what I put my attention and energy into. I mean, I would make the argument that turning off the noise of people yelling and arguing with each other on TV means you can be more informed. <laughs> That's, I think, some of my experience. I think, you know, you can still be informed and then I, I certainly feel calmer and, um, yeah, my mood is better. I could, mm -hmm. I think I could draw a chart. Like there's a very strong correlation and I would argue it's causation minutes mm -hmm. per day with cable news on and what's my news. And I think there's, there's accumulated effects of that as well. Turning off the news after 30 minutes doesn't immediately, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lingering effect, at least I've found. Because our nervous systems are so heightened. We, 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 they're so heightened by the overwhelming energy and the news and everything else and the way that we have tended to live that we have no access to this wisdom inside of us when we are receiving this stimuli, constant stimuli. And, and that's making me think it's probably triggering the fight or flight reaction. Yes. And then there we go. We can't really think creatively or clearly or yeah, that's, that's a heightened state. Now that I think about it, sometimes the news seems designed to get you into and keep you into that heightened state. Yes. And so if there's one thing we saw last year during COVID, well, we're still going, is the fear in which the world resides, the majority of the world resides in fear. News just adds to that. We are in a constant survival mode. And unless we consciously choose to do something different, we will remain in that state. So there's the difference between I want to be better informed and what what happened? What didn't happen? And 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 I think that probably that draws you back in. I'm sure the news they have figured out how to keep people coming back. There's that. What, what else? Oh, I'm afraid I don't, as opposed to I want to learn something. I'm afraid I don't know something. Mm. And we're not, I mean, it's the other thing that we're not actually given the, uh, we're not educated or raised, well, I wasn't, to say you don't have to watch the news. You know, you, you can you can choose put, to put your attention and energy into learning something else. You can contribute to the world in a way that is far greater when you make choices from the inside out, my, my, my inner being knew that the news was not right for me. And then you listened. It took a while, it sounds like, for you to listen to that. Yeah, because I had to come back to self. You know, when we're disconnected, when, we're, when our attention and energy is on the external world, which is the way we're raised, because we want to be connected, we want to be loved, we want to be seen. So from the moment we come into this into our bodies, we are looking externally for that, for love, for approval, for belonging. And so it's only when you have a 
whatever it is, that leads you back to understanding that it's actually not outside of you, that everything, again, resides in you, that you start to rebuild or remember who you are and remember that there is a voice inside of you that's always guiding you in the greatest direction for you. And if it's guiding you in your greatest direction, it's also doing that for those around you. It's not like it's great for me and it's not great for my kids. If it's great for me, it's great for everyone that I'm in contact with and the planet. Well, I think and everybody you're reaching um, here today through my little podcast. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing all of that with us. Um, before we wrap up here, and again, our guest has been Lisa Winicky. Um, you can learn more about everything she has uh, to offer at lisawinicky.com. There is, again, the podcast and the YouTube channel, The Good News Guide. And then one other thing, Lisa, I wanted to ask you to share a little bit. You have a new membership program. Mm. If you can tell us about that. So something that I, when I created The Good News Guide, I invited people on my show that are people generally that I've worked with myself. So I wanted to create a trusted container or platform where if I was sharing somebody and advocating for somebody, it was because I knew their work and I knew them to be in integrity with who I am. Having spent 15 years seeking who I believe were the best teachers, the best coaches, the best experts. So a lot of these people that I have brought onto the show are now inside my membership and they run experiential masterclasses twice a month as well as we've got wellness classes which might include yoga, guided meditations, sound baths, qigong, breath work. There's a whole host of um, those experiences. So people get to have first-hand experience with some of who I consider the best of the best in the world. And then there's a whole host of other things. I offer sort of gifts and I offer discounts on all of their programs um, because I'm advocating and endorsing these programs from my own experience. So I do believe I've sure. created a trusted container where everyone inside that resonates with who I am and therefore I'm really, yeah, I, I'm I'm very deliberately sharing these people and plugging them in to our communities so that they can if they you know if they have things like challenges in love in their re- intimate relationships I have an expert in that space that I've worked with myself if there's somebody that's really struggling and challenged as a parent I have my own conscious parenting expert who I believe is one of the best in the world if not the best she's extraordinary she's inside the membership so Um, It gives people a chance to have a taste of what's available and to see what resonates, to try it on for size, and then if they choose to, then they can go and opt in and and work with them. All right. Well, thank you. And and people can learn more, again, at your website, lisawinicky.com. Yep. Fantastic. All right. One final question, and I think I will leave this just in the YouTube um, because I want to ask a question, the portrait that is um, behind you and people who are watching the conversation, have seen that. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that piece and what it means to you. I, I like to ask people, you know, when you choose to put something in, in your room, there's there's a meaning and an importance to it. Mm. I might get emotional, but I'll. you're okay with that? <gasps> Maybe I won't now that I've named it. Um, I bought her and I say her oh, maybe five or six years ago and she was, when I was married, she was in a room that I wrote my book in. 
She was in a room that I saw clients in because I'm a qualified kinesiologist. I used to see clients in that room. She has been, and then she was in the room. I moved into this room when I separated from my husband when we were still um, living in the same house. And I ended up, I stopped seeing clients. I'd written my book and I moved all the furniture to the sides of the room and I used that room every single morning for maybe an hour and a half and I moved and I danced and I moved the grief and the sadness and guilt through my body in making the choice to separate. She has seen me in all forms. She's seen me at my greatest. She's seen me on the ground crying. She has been with me. And now it just, I didn't even, so when I moved into this house and I put her on the wall, I never knew that I was going to be hosting this show. And so this is where I sit for my conversations. And she is beside me, behind me, around me, and she's just, you can't see her whole face, but her eyes are just, she just sees me. Oh, well, that's beautiful. And so if people watch the Good News Guide, they, they will see you and um, they will see the woman who is there overseeing you. And mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you for asking that. So uh, encourage, sure. So I encourage people um, to, to, to check that out because um, I, uh, yeah, so I invite people to go take in more of what Lisa is sharing. So um, Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest here on the podcast, you know, sharing, you know, your thoughts around, you know, I think, you know, that general idea of not listening to what resides within you in terms of decisions and, and answers and choices. And, and thank you for sharing how you've, you know, kind of uh, adapted a, a, a new way of being in touch with that. So thank you for sharing that. I realize a lot of it is very personal. So I, I really appreciate you being willing to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm so, there's such, yeah, I enjoyed that so much. I love, I love these connected conversations and sharing, you know, what has, what has supported me in order for that to be an invitation for others if, you know, if it's not something that they have actually thought about. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening or for watching. We'll uh, we'll see you again soon, I hope. Thanks. For more information about Lisa and her work, visit our website at www.markgraben.com slash mistake 93. Please follow, rate, and review. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.